tired of feeling like you're spinning all the plates in your design business and at any moment they could all come crashing down? Are you feeling like you're so close to breaking through to the next level, but those consistent projects still aren't flowing your way? Are you ready to finally take your business from a hobby to 100K and beyond? Then welcome to the Six Figure Designer Podcast. I'm talking all the techniques you need in your design business to start paying yourself, get great clients, and finally break through that five-figure ceiling. I feel like I should almost let you guys guess who this person is. Have you ever listened to Smartless where like all the guests, all the uh, hosts know who the guest is, but um, they have to get, they have to guess it based on the information. And so I think when you hear some of the background of our guests, you're probably going to figure it out. But this amazing guest is the president and founder of a finer touch construction, which is located in Scottsdale. And they deal with luxury residential and commercial properties. AFT, as it's more commonly known, is award-winning and has been nationally published in magazines such as Fine Home Building, Lux Interiors, and Design and Professional Builder. This guest has been recently awarded as an icon in the Arizona building industry by Sources for Design in 2019 and was also recognized this year in 2022 as a Phoenix Titan 100. Have you guys figured it out yet? This person who's just, the accolades just keep going, is an ambassador for Kohler, Louisiana Pacific, Renai, Hella, Sub-Zero Wolf, Builder Trend, Cambria, and LK. And he also has a podcast, which has about, I believe right now, 162 episodes which focuses on marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, organization, building science, and construction. And then if that wasn't enough, he's married to the lovely Ashley and has six children. So let's welcome Brad Levitt to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Brad. Well, I don't know how to follow that up, Pamela, with that intro. So thank you. Sure you do. Is there a little fangirling action happening? (laughs) Maybe. You're too sweet. Thank you. So... You know, I was doing a little research for this episode and I happened to stumble upon a video you had done on YouTube, which was a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you kind of came to be sort of where you are today. And in fact, I think that is actually a couple years old even. Um, so it didn't fully bring us up to date as to where you are now. But I thought it was interesting. There were so many great nuggets in that one um YouTube video that it it was a basis for so many of my questions. So should we dive right into the question? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. So one of the things that you said over and over again, which was, I could tell clearly what's important to you was chase experiences, not money. And you had several steps in your journey that you talked about that really exemplified how, you know, you came to live and breathe that mantra. So um, share some of the big takeaways from your journey to now based on those experiences and how that that mantra of chase experiences, not money, has really helped you to get to where you are today. Yeah, and maybe there, there there's two points to that. You know, I speak about chase experience, not money so often. You know, it's kind of a... a 
you know, I, I see how it played a huge role in my career, but I think more importantly, what's interesting, and, and I'll come back to that question about chase experience, not money, but I think even more uh, dialed in, if you're looking at this is when you think about employment, right? Choose good management, choose good leadership. Um, and, and maybe I'll give a sports analogy. You know, a lot of us, you know, I'm, I'm a big NFL fan. So in the NFL, it's very common that a quarterback may get drafted. He may be super talented, but if he has bad coaching, bad leadership in the organization, they, they flounder, right? They don't become successful. Right. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, who goes 200th pick in the draft, you know, 199th pick or whatever. He's, you know, late rounder, but he went to an organization that believed in him and had good leadership and good, and, you know, and he ends up becoming, you know, the greatest of all time. And so the, the, as you look at business, right, and, and you speak to anyone that's been successful, they can always say, well, out of college or when I started my career, I had great managers who taught me, who instructed me, good organization, really catapulted my career. That's a big thing, right? You have to find good management. And so understanding kind of the long goal, right? It, it's really easy in this social media day and age to really look at, hey, I, I could look at you, Pamela, what you're doing and be very envious, like without realizing, you know, the journey it took to get there, right? There's a lot of steps along in that process. It doesn't happen overnight. So being patient, right? How many of us have patience now? It's very None of us rare, do. right? None of us do. And it's, and even me, I have to check myself, right? To have enough patience, but but going back to Chase Experience, there's so many applications to that. I think about in sales, you hear the term lost leader, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's a couple of things. As a builder, I can say, look, I want to build in this signature community. This is where I want my brand. I want my sign. I, I need to be in here. So maybe I'm going to take a job at a reduced fee so I can get my sign up. I can build my reputation that I've built here. I have that experience. Well, again, I'm chasing experience, not money, right? It may not... Uh, be the biggest profitable job, but just like some people may choose to go to college, you're going to invest in yourself for that catapult, right? To your future growth or job entry. And so we have to think about that, the chase experience. And I, you bring up the YouTube video because fortunately in my career, I, I took a job and I'll just be open. I think I was paid under $50,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And for the amount of work and my title and what I was doing was extremely underpaid market, probably half of what I should have been paid. But I had this amazing experience and I met some great people and it really catapulted, you know, just where I'm at in my career today. So I look at that stepping stone and it was just key to get me to where I am now. And I think you bring up a good point because there has been so much emphasis on the industry on, um, you know, kind of following our processes and not deviating from our processes. And when something comes up that sort of deviates from that process, we sort of freak out and say, no, there's no way we're going to do it. And my philosophy is you're in a business where you can make decisions and you can make judgment calls that are in your control. And kind of to your point, if you feel that that job is something that's going to help you in other ways and you take it at a reduced fee, that's your choice. And you as a business owner can do that and should make some of these judgments as you go through. It's not everything isn't black and white. There's gray areas to running a business. So to your point, I think we have to look at opportunities that are coming our way and then make the judgment on what, where is this going to get us in other areas? Maybe it's not the money. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's contacts. Maybe it's connections. Maybe it's experience. And I think that's so very important to keep in mind that we're still in control of what we do. Yeah, I love that you teed it up that way because there's there's a point you made, Pamela, that I think is really important for anyone listening is that you said everyone should have some sort of system or ideology game plan 
And even if you're going to take a lost leader, even if you're going to chase experience and not money, you can still keep that same principle and mindset, but not deviate. And what I mean by that is a good example. There's a community here called Silverleaf. Uh, we did a project. We were severely underpaid as a contractor fee, but again, building in the most signature community. However, you know me, hopefully enough, or anyone listening that I won't do a job unless I have an interior designer. I just won't do it. Right. The, the value- or there's, your interior designer should be cheering in yeah. the background. <laughs> Go ahead, carry on. Well, well, here's the reality. I mean, I understand what my designers do and my team, right? And what you do, Pamela. I mean, the amount of work and dedication to your craft and information- Really, any contractor listening should understand if you're not doing a job with a designer, you better change your whole mantra and fix that because selfishly, I'm going to have a home that's designed better. I can build more efficiently. I can build quicker. Uh, there's less stress between the client and myself. I mean, I, I could go on for, for 20 reasons why a designer, I won't do it and they make my life so much better. In fact, my, my team understands this so well that if there's even a glimpse that there's not a good designer on it, like they're in freak out mode because you're like, hey, what's happening here? But going back to that, that even though we took this job at a reduced fee, um, they still had a designer, right? They still had a good architect. And so right. that design team was still there. So that still fit, right? Our systems and our core values. SLP, core values. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, now as a business owner, we could select that to look, Hey, I'm not looking at today, 2014 or 2015. I'm looking, this is going to get me to where I want to be in 2020. Right. And then we can build from there. Right. The stepping stones that it takes. Not everything's a straight shot, as we know, to the final destination. So right. There are some weaves and curves in the way. If only it's like the crow flies, right? It'd be even on road trips, it'd make so much easier. God, we have a lot less wrinkles, too. I swear to God, we'd probably be sleeping better, I'm sure. Um, so the other the other sort of saying, I swear these like your mantras, but this one, I almost like got out of my chair and cheered. Um, it was, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the reason I get so excited about that one is because I have two kids in college right now, and that is the thing that we drill into their heads all the time. Now, granted, I'm not advocating that someone doesn't know their stuff and do their due diligence and be qualified. However, connections, connections, connections make all the difference. It makes the world go around, and it will open so many doors in so many ways. So we have to, as an industry, putting, be putting a lot more emphasis on making these connections and doing this networking. And this is something that really made a difference. And I'm going to even say, and you may have even said changed your life, is um, some of the great connections that you made along the way. And one in specifically was Dave Clark. And so I wonder if you could speak a little bit to how not, you know, it wasn't what you knew, but who you knew that really made some pivotal differences in your, in your career, in your business, in your life. Well, I think, uh, you know, for those listening, Pamela, and this, this really goes down into, it's a lot more than just what you read on the surface. I mean, when you think about relationships, right, what value are you bringing, Pamela? What value am I bringing to the relationship? Am I just a needy person? That relationship's not going to last very long, right? What's right. the value I'm bringing and, and when you think about that, and, and much bigger than not what you know, but who you know, you think about cross-branding. You know, for a company to be successful in marketing and strategy, uh, I, for me, I'm in the construction world. Yes, I can network with my designers and architects, and I can build a great community inside of my demographic. But it's really important that I have to meet people and be at events that are way outside of construction. Auto right. world, right? Maybe the golf industry, you know, these different markets, uh, 
there's some correlation with the realty market, right? And brokers. And so I have to understand that that cross branding and these relationships build over time. Case in point, I'll give a good example. Good, uh, a client of mine, he's one of the top cosmetic dentists in the country, Brian Harrison. He has people flying from all over. And he has this amazing emotional journey, right? With his clients and his marketing strategy. And through that, it's funny how he and I are totally different. He's in dentistry. I'm in construction. Although we've collaborated, we have so much cross-branding between his clientele, mine, clients that have built with me that have used him for the cosmetic dentistry and vice versa. And, and so this is what I mean is you start building these and going back to Dave Clark, this is somebody that at the time he's an investor, he's from Wisconsin, comes into Phoenix. He and I built a great relationship. And so you're sowing seeds, right? I look at one of the most signature projects I have, and it's one project blow your mind for those that follow us on social media. And this client I played basketball with for years, like good friend of mine, we play basketball. You know, I didn't know his net worth. I didn't know that he was planning on building. And then he knew what I did. And, you know, through that relationship and friendship over the years, he's like, pulls me aside. Hey, Brad, I want you to build my house. And so you never know where these things will go and always make sure to challenge yourself and meet new people and bring value to them. And when you bring value, then it helps expand that. So when I say it's who you know, what, not what you know, there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, it's not just this jaded, hey, I know someone, so I'm going to get to the front row. Right. But you have to get yourself out there, which is the chase experiences, right? So it's all kind of intertwined together. And I think to your point, when you even talk about the dentist, I think that we as an industry tend to look within the industry for all of our answers in terms of sales and marketing techniques and ways to run our business. But we can learn so much from outside businesses. Like you talked about the dentist with the emotional journey. If we could bring an emotional journey and learn from that and bring it to our how we market our business, that's going to make us better. And no one else in our industry is doing that, right? So I think having those outside influences and looking at how other people do it is really super important. I, you brought up that amazing point, Pamela, because I don't think enough people realize that I can sit here and say, okay, how's Pamela marketing her business? You know, there's, you know, she's in the industry. And so I can, you know, th there's some flavors I can peel off of and I can use, you know, in my marketing strategy, but where companies are real successful is they network with other industries, right? Because there's things that other industries are doing that we can incorporate in our business or marketing strategy or communication or systems that why not? Why that there's so much resource out there? Why try to reinvent the wheel, right? Let's just build a better mousetrap by, you know, right. optimize this information from others. And it gives a fresh perspective. I mean, I think that, you know, I think as a creative industry, we sort of bounce off ideas with each other. The brainstorming aspect is what, you know, really helps get the sparks going and new ideas flowing. So when you're out there with other people talking about how they market their business, and they're not in the industry, I think we should all be paying attention because we really could learn some breakthrough ways to to approach it and to get to other people. And also, I'm sure the dentist that you were just referring to has the same, you know, ideal client that you do, right? It's just that they're looking for a different service. So again, so interesting to, we need to be putting ourselves out there more and going in places that we never thought maybe we should be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a big fan of life learning. Um, I don't think it'll ever, it'll ever end. I don't think we ever finish, you know, we don't ever say we've know, we know everything we're going to know and now we're good. We can let it all roll. And I think you feel the same way. So, um, you know, when you first started your business, 
you said something interesting. You said you just sort of had to dive in. You First of all, you had no choice, but you just had to dive in and, and figure it out and put one foot in front of the other. And I think no matter where you are in your business, there's there's a new horizon, right? The horizon just keeps changing or the mountain keeps changing. And so we, you know, have to get out of our heads and out of our researching and just just start doing, right? And so talk a little bit about the beginning of your business and how you rolled up your sleeves and just started figuring it out in terms of marketing your business. And then how has that evolved, you know, over time? And what does that, what does that marketing look like today? Yeah. And I think you teed this off, Pamela, that really, and I've, I've said this a lot through my channels is that, you know, people are either natural born entrepreneurs, right? We, we know those, or some of us are forced out of necessity and someone was the latter, but I think what ends up happening is regardless, you know, I find that I love entrepreneurship. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate, you know, building a company from scratch and, you know, building a family, if you will, of employees and, you know, direction, but, but really what it comes down to, especially as you start thinking about marketing is this is a long journey. And like you said, I can never stop learning being in the industry. There, there's so much to learn. Technology is changing, you know, product innovation is changing, how we build a home is different, building science, you know, how we design homes and healthy living. And again, it's changed again. You know, we just had COVID. It changed so many things about our business. And so you have to continually look at that education piece, just like a lawyer, Dr. Will, they continue to have the, you know, that CE. But going back to your point, what's interesting about the marketing side is that it's really, it, it can be discouraging from day one. You know, people look at us now at AFT and say, oh, you're doing this amazing product, but the grind, right? 10 years ago, when when you're doing a small remodel in a bathroom and you're like, you know, am I ever going to hit this tipping point like Malcolm Gladwell? Am I ever going to get over this, you know, this, this hill, you know, onto right. the next opportunity? But the thing is, you know, it's important as well as you think about marketing strategy, I should never be. Although I have product and I'm marketing what I have currently, I should always be presenting that in a way to market to the future. Like, okay, we may be here now, but this is where we're going. Right. So how can I tactfully find a way, whether it's through, you know, being a thought leader or through education, through my clientele that's following or from a detail of quality, how can I at least be marketing? You know, if I, if I want to build custom homes, I don't want to market a powder bath in my renovated or a backsplash I installed. It's not that those are good components, but you have to understand that you don't want to pigeonhole yourself by your marketing strategy that doesn't allow you to grow to where you want to be. Yes. And and you you said it so beautifully is that you're always future marketing. You're marketing to your future perfect client, right? So you're always, you know, kind of moving that needle forward so that you can get the opportunities or those opportunities present themselves for the bigger, better projects or whatever it is that you're looking for. Yeah. And what's interesting, Pamela, as you said, you know, your future clients. So, I mean, you'd kind of led the way for anyone listening that for you to really be successful in the future, you have to understand what your ideal client is. I may not be working for them today, but five years from now, this is my ideal client. This is their makeup. This is their demographic. This is maybe that maybe they built a house before they've been through this process. This is their second home, whatever it may be you, that you, you, so you have to understand who that ideal client is, market to it, build towards it. And then, you know, you'll arrive at some point to, to find them. Absolutely. And know that it changes. It, it, you know, as you find information out about that client or that type of project and you get more educated and you get those um, systems in place that kind of, once you figure out that demographic, then it's going to alter. It's going to change. The, you know, the bar is going to move. So that's one thing I think people get stuck on is they think they sort of like a set it and forget it. And 
that's really not the case. We have to keep revisiting it, making sure it's working for us. And then ultimately it's the type of work we want to do, right? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay. So here's, here's where we're getting into the, into the meaty stuff. So, so many designers I talk to, I talk with are just really frustrated with their builder relationships. They feel that they are taking on a lot of what they feel is the, um, maybe the responsibility of the contractor. And that can be for various reasons. And this isn't, I don't think I'm shocking you with this information. And we will, you know, for any builders that are listening, don't worry, we're going to, we're going to, you know, do it for the designers too. But um, when interior designers are looking to find good building partners, um, create relationships with good building partners, what do you think are some of the things they should be looking for? What are the hallmarks of a quality builder? What, what should they be, you know, searching for? That's a great question. And honestly, especially being on some of these channels, speaking with designers such as yourself, Pamela, and in this industry, uh, this is probably one of the questions I get most often is that, you know, throughout the country, there seems to be uh, this head wall of uh, us hard-headed contractors that really, lack of a better word. You said word, it, not me. You said it. <laughs> no, I, I'll say it all day. These Some of us contractors, trust me, I grew up in this world. They're uh, hard-headed, you know, that prideful, whatever you want to call it, that, hey, I know what I've been doing. I've been doing it this way forever. So it's not just unique to maybe your experience, Pamela, I got the same thing. Like, Brad, we don't do it that way. This is how I always do it. You know, and it's like, well, hold on. Like, I think there's a, a, a better method here. There's but, somewhere in between, right? Yeah. And so that's always going to be a constant fight. And, you know, and uh, without going down that rabbit hole, but the reality is that there are methods, there are opportunities, and there are ways for designers to kind of change this resource pool of who they're working with. And so what I mean by that is that uh, when it comes down to, um, as you're looking at this through uh, the eyes of a designer is working with, um, you know, builders that are on Instagram. So social media is a great aspect, LinkedIn, Instagram. If a builder is going to be savvy enough to be marketing their business through these social media channels, well, you know, ideally they're going to care about the reputation and product they're putting out there and design. So that's a key. Uh, secondly, as you're thinking about, okay, well, it, as you're interviewing builders, are they using, what systems do they have? Are they using like a builder trend or a blue beam, you know, at Procore? So as designers are looking and I always tell them, look through social media. Like for me, subcontractors and designers that are active on social media, I know that they're going to care about their brand and reputation and what they're doing. So they're going to align with my goals as an entity. So that's an easy connect that if you connect with builders on Instagram and social media in your area, I would say in most cases they get it and they want to do a great job. Yes. And to your point, I think that um, we could just ask, like when we're, we're creating relationships with people, so many, so many designers I talk to will even say, you know, they want me to put something together for such and such project. What should, and then they ask me a litany of questions. What do you think they want? What do you think this is? And I'm like, well, why don't you ask the person that you were, talking to i mean it's a conversation so that could simply be a question that you ask hey hey what kind of processes do you have in place what kind of system are you using um would you want me to be part of your builder trend system how would you want to communicate and those are going to be great indications of again how they run their business or what they um use behind the scenes so i think that's all for yeah and, and, and yeah ask. <laughs> yeah well what's interesting is i find this too is that i some of my best trade partners because how many of my trade partners and suppliers are on Instagram? Very few, but some of my best ones are. 
And so if you're going to be out there on the forefront, you know, where, where anyone has access to that, you're not just hiding behind a website or maybe a, a phone number, you know, they, they're typically it's going to be a softer transition and relationship. And so I think that's always a good place to start for designers to find the contractors that are forward thinking about the future. And social media is a great snapshot of who is doing that. Right. And then those, those that just insist on hiring designers, we know they move to the top of the list, right? They do. And they move quickly. Why? Because they have better product. <laughs> Absolutely. Better customer experience all around. Well, I mean, here's the other thing to your point. If you don't have a good team around you, I mean, you know, there's so many things that come about when you're building or renovating a home. I mean, how much can you possibly take on? So when you have that great team, it alleviates um, a lot of that pressure to have to do everything yourself and again then makes it a better product so so now we're gonna go to the other side is you know designers always want to work with builders like you builders that are doing great work that believe in integrity that have the systems in place that are active and really care about their reputations what type of traits do you look for in a design partner what are the things that make certain design partners stand out where you say, maybe I want to start working with that person? So we'd like to hear that perspective from, um, from you. I, I love that you, you introduce it that way. And, and to be honest, Pamela, I think this is fairly easy for me because I, you know, I work with a wide array of personalities, right, from designers. And some, uh, you know. We do are, have a, right, a wide array of personalities. What a are, lovely way to say it. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think the easiest way is just, you know, there are some that are very easygoing and very, some that are very particular. You know, I'll just leave it at that. And that that's okay. Like for me, I don't, you know, I, I don't worry about the personality, right? I, you know, communication is super important. Organization is super important. I, I've spoken about this before in other podcasts is that design book, an A-plus design book, and really that specification. So when I look at a designer that's savvy with, uh, you know, AutoCAD, right, they can give me, you know, even 2D elevations. That's all I need. I don't need a 3D bells and whistles and this color rendering, you know, on Revit or something. That's great for the client, you know, but for me, visually as a builder, I can, I already know what it's going to look like. I can see it. So clear and defined specs. Um understanding, you know, coordination with me and budget. Hey, Brad, what's the budget? You know, what are we trying to achieve? Let's make sure we're kind of lining up. We may spend, do some nice town in the laundry at a hundred bucks a foot, but let's be conservative here and do, you know, 10 bucks a foot and, you know, some of the bigger areas. And so the right. coordination of budget, that communication, and then like I'm saying, the good design book, specifications, organization, because the reality is almost all the designers I work with, they're so organized. Their design books are so good that when I'm pricing it out, I don't have to worry about, change orders and discrepancies because it's all figured out ahead of it out. I, I know termination points. I need plumbing fixture, you know, shower head heights. I know lighting fixture heights, right? Which is always big. So all this information is done. Like I, so I can build it. And now the designer may come to the project at their leisure a few times throughout the build process to see the progress, but I don't need them there every week. And so outside of personality, I think for me, it's organization, communication, coordinating budget. And again, that amazing design book and, you know, there's 15 designers I work with and they all hit that, you know, that mark. So. And that's, that is awesome. And I think that you touch on something that I, I think a lot of people are not doing, which is um, figuring everything out ahead of time. Yeah. Why, why are you what, like, what, why are we doing stuff on the fly for all the time? Why, why is that a, a thing in our industry? So. I had a builder ask me if I interrupted Pamela. Builder said, Hey Brad, uh, wouldn't you like to have selections done? Is it typically a frame stage? And I'm like, what are you doing? Like how in the world are you building a house and you at that far in the process in a, you know, an ideal world, 
and there's been an exception here there, but I would say almost in every case for us, we have the full design book, full plan specs, you know, full CDs, construction drawings before we break ground. Clients will still have a hundred changes, but the main template of the house is done, finished. And so if they weren't to make changes, we'd build it from there. I think you just blew a lot of people's minds. I think a lot of people are going to be like, what? <laughs> Ahead of time? Yeah. But why? It just causes more time in the schedule, more stress. Because they're All afraid right. to tell the client that nothing's going to happen for however many months while these things get figured out. So get on social media, get on this platform, right? And be a thought leader, educate the client because the client doesn't know. Yes. And that's, and the other thing is if, if no one gives that to a client, then guess what? They're going to do it that way. If that's not an option, then that's how, that's how that project's going to roll. Same with your team where you say you have to have a designer and all these other parts of the team. If you just declare that that's the way it is and that's the way you work, then that's how it has to be, right? Exactly. They, don't even, they don't know what they don't know. So right. if they just, they just think, oh, this is how you do it. And it's a beautiful, brilliant, and simple plan. So but it works those every- who are listening, designers and builders who are listening, please, let's get it all figured out ahead of time. Um, so work-life balance, this one, this is another thing that's really just killer in our industry. We just, we're honestly just hurting ourselves in so many ways um, and how we run our businesses and how we allow things to overtake our lives. So. I know you're married to Ashley. I know you have six children. I know Ashley's also a designer as well. And how do you manage to have this business, you know, that's obviously a thriving business and I'm sure takes up a fair amount of your time and a full home life? Like how, what kind of boundaries do you have in place? And I'm sure that, um, you know, you have help with some of these things, but I mean, I'm sure there are still people trying to text you on the weekends and, and at night. So tell us a little bit about some of the hard boundaries that you have in place that kind of helps you keep your sanity. That's a great question. And hard Do we not have any boundaries, Brad? <laughs> I think we all have boundaries. I'm sure you do. Sure. I, 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 I do. And what's tough as a business owner, I mean, the reality is there's always going to be extra hours we're putting in, right? That's part of our business. But I think more importantly, when you think about efficiency and organization, and I've worked for clients that are, you know, executives, high CEOs, right? And have a lot on their plate, but the, but the key is they always respond quickly or accurately. And what I mean is they may not have the answer, but they're, hey, I'll get back to you or noted. You know, so a lot of times for me, I may be out while a family activity. And so when you think about boundaries, I'm not going to get a text and just ignore it. Like, that's just not me for six hours. I don't think that's great customer service. But what I think I could do is, you know, text, you know, my client and say, hey, I'm out, you know, tonight's Halloween room, you know, trick or treat. I'm not, I'm here. I'll get back to you when I'm at the office or I'm driving or I'm here. I'm in the meeting. I'll call you right back. So these quick, I have like some custom, you know, text scripts on my iPhone. So when people call me, I can say I'm in a meeting, call you right after. And so that what ends up happening is this very successful CEOs and entrepreneurs are really good at information in information out. Right. And, and really just, you know, and then making sure they're following up as long as you follow up, you're good. And so you can always spatially, you know, I run our social media, I'm running a company. I have six kids, like I'm being torn, pulled all over the place. But what it comes down to is understanding how to organize your day, communicate properly, you know, and then just make sure that information in information out, and you can absolutely have that work-life balance. Yeah. It's one, um, this came out when I was doing a podcast and I was just like, man, I should write that down, which is, you know, communication is a luxury service. And, you know, I think just 
keeping in touch with people and letting them know that you got their information and that you're working on it. As simple as that, even responding, like you said, I, I got it and I will get back to you. What's it's, amazing um, to that, Pamela, I mean, think about it for you. Like I have trade partners that I'll call and call and text and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, right. like you know, I'm your client. Whereas- A big black you know, hole. <laughs> but, I, but I have some trades that are so busy. They have tool bags on. I'm texting them immediately in a couple of minutes. Hey, Brad, I'm on something. I'll get back to you. Good. You know, messages out there. Right. We're going to reconnect. And so it's that simple that like, just, hey, I don't have the answer. I'm getting back to you. I'll, I'll give you a call later. It's real simple. It just makes you feel important. I think the other one is, um, and this is just a stickler for me, but, you know, lesson learned for those listening is when someone says they're going to get you something by a certain day or time or whatever, and then three days go by and there's crickets, that makes me absolutely bonkers. It's, you know, if you're going to make a commitment to to provide something, give me an answer, even if you don't have the answer by the time you said you got it, you know, you were going to, yep. then you better reach out and say, hey, thought I would have an answer by now, but I don't. Correct. But don't make promises you can't keep. Absolutely. Like, for information. So that's definitely a big one for me. So um, yes, communication, so key. So I know you're you're working on a bunch of things outside of your business. I know you have a podcast. Is there anything that you're currently doing that you would like to promote to our listeners to let them know that you're working on? Yeah. So I think one of the most exciting things we're doing is, uh, for, especially in the building community, and we have some vendors and we have some trade partners and especially like remodelers and general contractors at attempt. So like all of us, like School of Hard Knocks, I'm trying to run a business, trying to figure out how to do my marketing strategy, trying to figure out how scheduling, how to hire, how to deal with client expectations, and most importantly, how to price. How do I make money as a builder, right? How to, you know, maybe some down, someday down the road, we could do a design one because, you know, I know the design world a little bit too. It's complicated. They're hard businesses. They're fee businesses, right? And so we started what's called the Contractor Coalition Summit. And we had our first one in Nashville. It was amazing. We had 30 attendees come and all 30 of them said we made our money back in 40 minutes. The rest was gravy, right? And now we're uh, actually- Wait a minute. Hold on. Don't don't, don't fly past that. We made our money back in 40? 40 minutes. And it's a three-day event. And they said 40 minutes, we could have left and it would have been the best dollar we ever spent. And the same thing is we're doing Huntington Beach. Uh, we'll do Austin and Scottsdale next year. So then that way of other parts of the country, more central for certain attendees. And we have some amazing companies. But the biggest thing is I look at where I am now as a company, and this is years. I've been in building professionally 17 years. I've been in networking groups and mastermind groups and entrepreneurial groups and then builder 20 groups. And so all this information now, if I'd have had this day one, I'd be way accelerated from where right. I am now. You know, and I actually probably would have made some money along the way, right? So, you know, that's just part of it. And so that's probably the biggest thing. And of course, you know, there's the other social media channels and, you know, YouTube and pod, podcast stuff that I love. I'm a huge fan of masterminds. And I think that leapfrog effect that you get by learning and listening from others just makes a huge difference in sort of pushing yourself forward. But the other thing that you touched upon, which I thought was so wonderful, and I think that more people need to know this, is that it doesn't matter how many years you are in business. It's never just rolling. Like you're still learning. You're still figuring it out. You're still trying to push the envelope. You're still trying to get better. And so, and there are times where we make, you know, kind of rookie mistakes. I mean, sometimes I, there was a couple of weeks ago, I did something. I'm like, well, I just needed to be slapped in the face. I'm, don't ever do that. And what are you doing that for? So it's good to know that the process always continues and you're always learning. It doesn't matter if you've been in business one year, 10 years, 30 years. 
it's just, it's always a process, but I'm so excited for the Contractor Coalition Summit. And I'm sure our listeners are going to now check it out because I was looking at it. It looked pretty fantastic. Um, so and now we're going to groom some great contractors for our design community. They're forward thinking. So yes, we're going to grow them from little seeds, right? We're going to start planting the seeds and start growing some great contractors. I think the other thing is to sort of mend the fences between contractors and designers. It's such a symbiotic relationship and we can be wonderful. Um, there's too much collaboration, you know, there's too much cohesiveness and, uh, synergy, right. That can be between the two. And we can be good friends and we can help each other out and make it even better experience for our clients. So I think that that's something that um, definitely could be our next our next level job, right? Um, so thank you so much, Brad, for being here. I'm going to leave all of Brad's contact information in the show notes. Is there anything that you want to leave us with? Any one big piece of advice or something that you think um, our audience should know before before I let you fly the coop. Sure. Yeah, I guess I, and leaving one last quote, another early one that was left with me with a great mentor of mine was a prosperity or generosity precedes prosperity. Right. And so, you know, the more generous we are with our time, with our community, with charitable things. um, I I think there's a lot of bonding we can do as a community. You know, all of us can dive down this political rabbit hole and see all the tension in our country. And it's like, we're people, right? We care about each other. Like there's so many good things happening in the communities, be involved, right? That generosity will perceive prosperity and, and not just from a charitable aspect, but also from a networking and time. And, you know, it just, I've I've seen that. I've seen how that can build your brain. And again, thinking about cross-branding and building outside of, you know, your immediate network, there's just a lot of opportunity to get back. I love that. And yes, let's get out there more and um, get out from behind our computers and our phones. So thank you so much, Brad, for being here. I really enjoyed this. I hope our listeners enjoyed this. This is amazing. And um, I'm sure I'm going to see you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Six Figure Designer Podcast. If you're ready to make six figures in your interior design business, then check out my Design Business Bootcamp. Our next session starts soon. So let's get you to six figures, stat.